0: in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Donner. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome back to Uncover Your Magic. Today, I have the pleasure to introduce you to Bonnie Howard, An amazing woman I met through our podcast Accelerator course. I wanted her on my show today because her story made me really look at life in an entirely different way. Her struggles with her health blew me away. But what really caught my attention when I listened to her story was her outlook on life, her positive attitude, her joyful spirit, despite what she has gone through in her life. I've never even met her in person, but I feel if I had to describe her with one word, it would be love. Her new podcast is called the chronically courageous. She believes life is all about perspective. We can choose to let our biggest challenges destroy us, or we can use them as fuel in the pursuit of a higher purpose. I know you are going to enjoy listening to this woman's incredible journey. Without further ado, welcome Bonnie Howard. Thank you so much, Ashley, for that beautiful introduction, and it is a pleasure to
1: be here. I've been enjoying so much listening to your podcast. and me too. So fun. Thank you. Thank you. And it's just, uh, I feel honored that you would, based on what you've heard in my podcast, choose me to be
0: one of your magical guests. Oh, well, you have so much magic, and you come across to me... Well, we've only met on Zoom calls, but you come across to me as this, like a, a light, like you have this presence about you through the computer, <laughs> but I know you would right. have it more if I met you in person, but you just have this light and to not know what you were even doing your podcast on. That's how you came across to me was this love and you would just you just exude that is love. And that's why I used, chose that word. But then to know what your podcast, because we didn't know going in anybody's podcast, you know, in the class, it was more, we were just learning how to do it. So at the end is when I learned and then I thought, wow, that woman has that story. So of course, I wanted to bring you on because your story just inspired me. I wanted people to learn about what you went through. It's amazing. And really what you come across today as with all that you've gone through. So take us back to where you want to start. Okay, so Ashley, as a child, I was
1: painfully shy, which is kind of ironic because now I'm a podcaster and I really don't shut up. <laughs> so I really had a hard time. I had a very low self-esteem. I was very much an introvert and I got bullied as a result of that. And there were a lot of days I didn't want to go to school because I was afraid of what was waiting for me on the other side until I took the chance in my fifth grade talent show and one thing I do love and that brings amazing magic to my life is music. And I love mm-hmm. to sing. That's always been a huge passion of mine. So I like uh, yeah, it really raises my spirits and, you know, it just puts me in a different state. So I tried out for the talent show and I did it and I sung not one, but two different songs. And, mm-hmm. The response after was so amazing. People were coming up to me, fellow students were coming up to me in the hallways and saying, where did that voice come from? I didn't even know you could speak, no less open up your mouth and sing in front of the entire school. So oh my gosh. that was definitely a magical moment when I look back. And, you know, so then I, I went through life and I was still pretty shy through about mid high school. And then I found alcohol. And it found me back in a big way, and I went through some tough times through that. And I went, uh, I wound up going to rehab. I no longer drink. I have not had a drink since 1989. Oh wow!
0: Um, yeah. So surprise, surprise. I'm full of surprises. <laughs> so, I and mean, you just got wrapped up into like a crowd at school in the wrong crowd, and I, you know, I think so. When I look back, I really think I
1: was just, I was in pain. I was in. emotional and physical pain I felt that you know with all the bullying and I did not have uh, high self-esteem at all and I had chronic health problems unbeknownst to me from the time I was a child I, I knew I always had significant amounts of pain but I didn't know why and I knew that I would be in a situation and all of a sudden my mind would kind of go blank and get really spacey. And, you know, people would kind of tease me about it a little bit, but I never thought too much about it. So I was just in pain. And when I would try to communicate to doctors or to my family that I was in this much pain, they kind of dismissed it. And they said, Oh, it's all in your head. And it's probably just anxiety. And that I think led me to my addiction because I wasn't feeling heard. I wasn't feeling seen. And so, yeah, so I came out of that and, you know, and I, there were other addictions along the way, like addiction to food. And then, you know, there was the phase of starving myself and, you know, all those things that we kind of, well, not everybody goes through, but I went through because I was trying to mask my pain. And And, when you say
0: pain, can we clarify that? Because is it pain, like muscular pain? Is it in, what kind of pain are you experiencing? So when I'm speaking of the physical pain,
1: I have a condition called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. It's a connective tissue disorder, and it's genetic, and it causes head-to-toe pain because I have, where most people are held together by cement, I'm kind of held together by duct tape. So it's very easy for my joints to dislocate, and the cartilage and all the other soft tissue in there is a lot weaker than it is in most people. So. I was constantly, my mom called me snap, crackle, and pop. I was constantly cracking oh. my neck, cracking my, any, any bone you good crack I was cracking to try to relieve the pain. So, hmm. and I, sitting in a chair for a period of time, like I had to in school was excruciating for me because movement is the one thing that really helps me manage my pain. And that's something I picked up working out when I was, gosh, I started when I was about 12 years old, just, you know, little things. But then when I, but further on in high school, I started lifting weights and I really, really picked up fitness. And that was a huge part of my life. And no matter where I was, I found a way to work out. So that, and I think it was really a, a technique for managing both my clarity of mind and my clarity or the feelings within my body.
0: So so with, when your mom, when did she start believing your pain? Like when did they start saying, okay, we'll go to the doctor and prove in yourself? Right,
1: well- That took a really long time, actually. So I'm now 48 years old. And I did not get my first kind of serious diagnosis until my about 43rd year. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah. So I had several things that happened before then that didn't make sense. And like I had a situation where I was having very severe pain, I went to the emergency room, and they sent me home. And then I was unable to, I was in so much pain that I wound up back at the emergency room the following day and I wound up needing to get emergency spinal surgery because my right arm had become completely paralyzed. Oh, God. So, so yes, so so I think they, I think they believed me then, but they didn't still think, they thought that was an isolated incident. They didn't see it as a bigger issue. So, I think my mother finally really, really started to believe me when I got the Ehlers-Danlos syndrome diagnosis. And we went, this was actually a really magical moment. We went to a conference together, my mother and I, and it was supposed to have been with my fiance, but he wound up having to have his kids that week. So it was actually, I think, divine intervention. And... Mm -hmm my mother stepped up and she said, I'll go with you. And it was the most healing experience because she got to hear from all these different medical professionals and she got to see the breadth of other patients that had the same situation and how it impacted their life. And it brought tears to her eyes and it, it made it real for her. And Hmm. she became a big advocate for me at that point because she finally understood, Oh my gosh, the stuff my daughter's been feeling all her life is very, very real.
0: Real, right. Oh, I love that. And it is that. It was divine. You know, it was those little moments of no coincidences why why your fiancé couldn't go, right? That's exactly. And, and she needed to see goosebumps. that. Yes. But she needed to see that. She needed to be there with you, for sure. Yes. Yeah. Yes, definitely. That was a really a beautiful moment. So then you go on, you're 43, and you find that's when it's like... The di- everything's like figured out? Not entirely. I got
1: one diagnosis at 43. It was a neurological diagnosis. And then a few years later, I got the Ehlers-Danlos syndrome diagnosis, which made all of it all make sense because with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, there's a lot of what they call comorbidities. So there's, it's usually when you have a chronic illness, it's not just one thing. It's like a whole potpourri of different symptoms and things that happen. So I got the Ehlers-Danlos syndrome diagnosis when I was 46. So just like two years huh. ago, less than two years ago.
0: Yeah. So when you're in high school and you're in pain and you are going through all this, you're just, that's I mean, when you're 18 years old, you don't find out really what it is. It's not pinpointed until like 23 years later. I don't yes. get that. How does that happen? Yes.
1: Well, you know, it's, that's many times what happens when people have rare diseases, people, there's a lot of lack of knowledge in the medical community. And even today when I go to an ER, you know, because there's things that'll happen unexpectedly and I'll go to the emergency room because I think I'm having a heart attack, but it's actually this other thing called costochondritis where I get like severe, severe chest pain and it feels like a heart attack. And I make it a point to educate every single doctor, nurse technician when i 'm there because there's still a lot of people in the medical community, and it 's becoming better it 's getting better and there 's more research out there now there's more knowledge out there now and there 's an effort being made by the LRCMO society to educate the medical community better so but usually in med school, you know doctors maybe spend a half an hour learning about this condition so oh. I see. It's something that gets forgotten
0: and huh. it's, yeah. But when, so when you're in that 20 year journey, what do you, are you, so you're exercising, are you doing certain things different? Like, are you doing like certain techniques, taking certain things? I, for a while, I really, my technique was just
1: keep moving forward and I always just push through the pain and tried to, pain perfection that was just kind of how I was brought up, that everything's okay on
0: the outside, even though it 's falling apart on the inside. do you talk about it like are you someone that if you're at coffee with someone you're going to tell them, Oh, guess what my pain is i'm so sick or I have this chronic illness, and do you talk about it or do you not give it energy?
1: I think when I was younger I really i didn't give it much energy. I, I tried really hard to pretend it wasn't there and that in and of itself is painful because you feel like you're in this this world all by yourself and no one understands or hears it and now I I'm an advocate for it so I try to I don't complain about it necessarily I but I do like to raise awareness about it and I feel like it's been a gift and it's you know it's hard for people sometimes to understand how that is but it's been you know, your highs are only as low as your lows, right? Mm -hmm. Or or your highs are only as high as your lows. So, (laughs) So, you know, I've had some pretty significant lows. And because of where I've been, I just have such an appreciation for every day. And I love life and I love people. And I practice gratitude every single day. And it's something I've instilled in my, you know, when I see him getting into a space that's maybe not as positive, I will call him out and I'll say, what are you grateful for? And just kind of turn it around because there's always, no matter how difficult things are, there's always, always
0: something and so many things to be grateful for. What? how do you do that? And like in the morning, what's your, have you done your rituals that you do now throughout your 30s and 40s or is this new? This is newer. I So I did not start doing my
1: morning ritual until my probably like mid 40s. And I think I had to get to a place of being in so much emotional and physical pain that I was desperate for a solution and desperate for answers. So now I am very consistent and I make it a priority that every morning when I wake up, the first thing I do is I do meditation. Then I do prayer and then I do gratitude journaling. I have an app on my phone where I gratitude journal and read affirmations. And then I say, I do, I am statements
0: after that. And I just, yeah. So So I teach my kids that, and I think that's so important. And I love that they have their gratitude journals in the car on the way to school, but now they're in the house, (laughs) but right, right. (laughs) You know, to write them down, but maybe they need one, an app on their phone. Maybe it even encourage them more to do it, right? Yes, it's great. And they have reminders you can set so that if you want to do it twice
1: a day, you can have a reminder oh, cool. pop up on your phone and it's really great. And then you can share if you want to share an entry and you can add a photograph to it. Huh. So if you're grateful for a specific event. You can add a photograph that represents that event. And sometimes I'll do that when I have a great evening with my fiance and I'll take a picture and I'll put it
0: in a gratitude statement and just send it to him. And he loves that. Oh, I love that. Walk me through your meditation. Cause I know that's hard for people and it's what everyone has their own idea of what meditation is. Right. Do you so, have a hard time doing it? Is it easy?
1: It depends on the day, really. You know, there's days when my mind's all over the place and it's hard for me to focus. And there's other days where I really feel it deeply. And, you know, I can kind of see the colors behind my eyes as I'm meditating and, you know, I feel completely immersed and I feel it in my body, but it really just depends. And I usually, that's another app that I use. And I I use an app called Insight Timer and they have some wonderful guided meditations on there. And, you know, they even have breath work. I did a breath work meditation the other day. So depending upon what I feel like I'm needing on a given day, if I need to do something that'll help me manage my pain, I'll do a meditation on managing pain if I do something where I want to focus more on gratitude I'll do that If I feel like I want to put myself in a place of greater peace I'll do a meditation that's around that so really just the
0: recipe of the day depending
1: upon what kind of need I have
0: and then you get up and you what are your like breakfast do you get up and start your day in a certain way do you start your go outside and do any kind of exercise So after I finish my routine in the bed, I get into the kitchen and I juice 16 ounces of
1: celery juice. Did
0: Um, you get that from the... Medical um, medium? Medical medium, Um, yes.
1: Yes, yes, I do. I have the book and I study him and I think he's wonderful. I've actually been listening to him for a very long time, even much before I started the celery juice, but... Mm -hmm. I found that really just helps with my clarity and it helps with digestion. And it's just, I I feel like my skin looks better. It's just kind of an overall win-win for everything. So are you blending it yourself in a blender? So it depends. So right now I'm kind of living half at my house and half at my fiance's house at my house. I have a juicer at his house. He has a Vitamix and I use a, a nut milk bag to strain it
0: at his house. When I'm at my house, I use the juicer, which I prefer. Okay. Yeah, because I do the Vitamix thing, and I'm like, sometimes I'm like, that's too much work, right? It is a lot of work. It's a lot of work. <laughs> so we'll just go to Whole Foods and get the, their celery juice there. But yes, I am a big believer in that celery juice. So then awesome. you go exercise and get your day going? I usually don't exercise in the morning.
1: Mornings are not a high energy time for me, which is why I scheduled this interview with you at 2 because my mind does not work very well in the mornings. It takes me a while to kind of come to, which is why I do do that routine in the morning to give myself that chance to really wake up and get with the program. And yeah, usually in the afternoon is when I work out or eat sometimes in the evening. And pre-pandemic, I was a very avid gym goer. So I would so back, looking back about, I don't know, six, seven, eight months ago, I would do the stair climber. And as much as my body has certain limitations, I push, I push, I push, I push. I've always been that way. And I was doing that. And then I wound up having severe, severe pain again, surprise. And I needed a hip replacement. So I had a hip replacement five
0: months ago. Oh my and- God. Why, <laughs> is Why does it come from go to that extreme? because of your illness?
1: Well, yeah. So I, you know, and it's kind of like new discoveries all the time. And I found out that and I am so used to just pushing through my pain that I tend to not always listen as I should to my body. I've gotten better at that and better at slowing down. But I apparently found out that I had something called hip dysplasia, which is a genetic condition that's very common with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. The other situation that I have. So when I was born, it occurred to me, my mother had told me they put braces on my feet and I completely forgot about that. I mean, it was inconsequential to me. I was so young and I didn't remember that. And apparently they did that because I had this condition and they really didn't recognize it as that at the time. But when I went to seek out surgeons and get MRIs, I was told that You have hip dysplasia, and not only that, but your cartilage has completely deteriorated, and your arthritis is really profound, and your labrum is completely torn off the bone, and yeah, so I mean, like I said, I really tend to push through some things, and sometimes to the extreme, so I wound up having to use the cane for a period of time until I could have the surgery, which I did five months ago. I had a full hip replacement and that was a, a process of recovery as well. And so that brings me to another magic moment when I, a few months after the surgery, my fiance and I got invited to an 80s party and we got dressed up. It was the funniest thing. So he, he loves to dress up. And We've gone to Comic-Con, and, you know, I dressed up as Catwoman, and he was Batman. And oh, in this case, since it was an 80s party, he dressed up as Richard Simmons, and I was his, you know, Jane Fonda. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was pretty hilarious. He had the cute. big curly wig on. And oh, cute. Yeah, it, it was funny. And we both love, love, love to dance. So, obviously, oh. right after a hip replacement, that's not something you do. right? But... We went to this party and we showed up and we were the only ones that were like really dressed up. There were a couple of people that maybe had, a you know, like an 80s rock t-shirt on or something. no right. oh, funny. It was hilarious. So I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. We're the only ones dressed up. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so much fun. They had a live band and a dance floor and we danced like crazy that whole night and yeah, you know, I had to take some breaks and stuff, but it was so liberating to just be out there and feel free and dancing. And, it, you know, after being on a walker and then a cane and, uh, you know, to have that mobility back was just absolutely incredible.
0: So your fiance, which just became a fiance, I remember during our course, I remember watching your Facebook Live when he, and showing the ring and everything. So he's known you for how many years you've been dating? We've been dating now. We're so funny. We count as though we're
1: in high school. We've been dating for 25 and a half months. (laughs) So you met met when? How how did you meet? So we met actually on Tinder of all places, which is not known for where you meet the love of your life necessarily, but I think at our age, you know, he's in his 50s and I'm in my late 40s. I think it's a different perspective when you're a little bit older. When you go on Tinder, you're not looking for a hookup. You're looking for a relationship. And both of us were. And we met there and it was amazing. I mean, we went, our first date was at a place called the Botanical Garden and that's a place I live in Arizona, and like it sounds, it's a beautiful garden, and you walk around, and they have a butterfly, like a big enclosed butterfly oh, uh-huh. area. Right. So that was kind of a highlight of it, and we went into the butterfly
0: area and spent some time there, and we just had a beautiful date. And but what then, about him? Sorry, I'm interrupting, but I need to go back oh. to figure out why, like you go on Tinder, because mm-hmm. I mean, Nowadays, you're starting to make an effort. Have you been making an effort trying to meet people? And then all of a sudden, you know, after 10 dates, he arrives and you're like, oh, jackpot. <laughs> right. Right. How does that work? Are you putting oh. effort into the dating? Is it what you're really desiring in your life at that time?
1: It was. And I've been through before that a couple of not so great experiences where I had been dating men and they knew of my chronic illness and they heard about it and I would explain it to them, but they really didn't see it until they saw it. And when they saw me going to the hospital or they saw me about to pass out and, and then I got ghosted. And like when things got really real, they couldn't handle it and they hmm. would leave. And you know, and I, there were, yes. And I was intentionally dating and I learned because I was in a, not some great marriage I've learned what I do and don't want. So I had gone on many dates where it was, you know, this is not the kind of person I want in my life. And so it was, you know, an elimination process on both sides. There were some guys that were nice guys, but they didn't, you know, they weren't willing to make the sacrifices of, you know, having someone that was less than in perfect
0: health. Do you give that away right away when you start dating? How do you approach that with like a new person? Right. So,
1: I usually am pretty open actually. I think on on the first phone calls when I shared it with David and that was pretty typical. I just felt like I don't want to waste my time if someone is not going to accept me for all of me. I don't want to waste my time, you know, pursuing something and then having to come out with this information and then having it be a situation that isn't going to work. So, Right.
0: I, yeah. Time so, you know, is valuable, right? Like we can't waste our time. Life is short. Exactly. Get exactly. to the point.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You got it. Absolutely. So, yeah. And, you know, and I had dated someone prior to David, but it wasn't, I knew it wasn't what I wanted long-term. It was kind of, you know, it was, it was fun, but it wasn't a love thing. It wasn't what I felt with David. I mean, when David and I met, it was like, we just connected on so many different levels and we our values are very much aligned and our backgrounds were very much aligned and he just you know he accepted me for all of me and not just accepted me but loved every single part of me the imperfections and all and still does and really embraces me and every time i think that there's going to be something where okay this is too much and you know he's going to want to bow out because I do have things that come up. He just pulled me in closer and it's so incredible.
0: Huh. Cause I, you know, i watching him on your Facebook live that day and how he, you could just see it in his, every part of his body. Like he was just so happy. I mean, so were you, but you know, you just, when you find somebody that loves you and he, you could just see that love in him, like he loves you with his whole entire being, like you are his, like, angel that came to this him at this time in his life that where he even saw it he probably would have seen it but he really sees it now and I think when I saw the two of you I thought oh my gosh I don't even know Bonnie but I know who her look essence of her who she is and it just oh it just made me so happy to see you so happy and like what a just a neat couple and a neat story and to think of meeting people at this stage of our life, you know, and all the things that you have and all your stuff that you have to carry into it, you know, and have someone embrace it and love it and look at it as a quality about you isn't a negative. It's just your beauty. And that's what he is like to me. Like, that's how I see him. Like, he just loves everything. And it doesn't matter how many times he has to go to the hospital or see you at the emergency room or whatever he loves that. He'll find the best of it, right? Exactly, exactly, and you're very perceptive for seeing that
1: because that is exactly how it is. He is just pure love. He puts a smile on my face like nobody else can. He just lights up my, the way that you see that look in his eyes, that's the look in my eyes too, and we just have this mutual adoration for each other that's amazing and such a gift, and I think that, you know, because we met at the time that we did, we have such a great appreciation for one another because, you know, he had a not so great marriage. Obviously we don't get divorced for no reason. So both of us did not have good marriages and I had some pretty not so great dating experiences. So I think because we had been where we had been with other people, we, every day we appreciate each other so much. And, you know, without making it a practice necessarily, we just by, by our natural being we always are telling each other how grateful we are for one another and how much we appreciate one another and there's just so much to appreciate.
0: Oh. Like what a silver lining, right? To wait oh. for this amazing gift. Are you So what's the future? Where is Miss Bonnie going to be in a year? What do you see yourself? Where is Bonnie next after out, out of this COVID when we're on <laughs> we're on the other right. side of this experience where we're in the new normal? What yes. is Bonnie? Well,
1: so as far as my living situation, I'm currently still living with my son, who is soon to be a graduate of high school. He's 18 years old, and he is, if everything goes according to plan, going to be going off to college. Not too far. He's actually still going to be in-state, but he, I'm very proud he's going to the ASU Honors College, which is a very oh, prestigious wow. honors college. Yeah. Oh. So I'm excited about that. And then our plan, initially, we'd actually started to look for a new home, because we wanted to find you know David and I wanted to find a home that was going to be ours and that we could make our own not one that he lived in with his ex-wife so we started looking and then covid hit and we've kind of put that on hold for now but i think that when my son goes off to college i'll be moving in with him regardless of whether it's that home or you know a new one and i'm really looking forward to that because we do have periods of time when my son's with his father and i move in with him and it's
0: just a little slice of heaven. So oh. we just have so much fun. What direction? So now your new little baby is this podcast that you've created. Where do you see that going? Cause that's kind of where I'm at. Like, you know, you've started something and it's kind of in the baby stages mm-hmm. and you want to make it something. Where do you see that going? So this
1: podcast is really kind of a dream for me and I feel I've been an avid podcast listener for years and I've always had it on my heart that I want to make a podcast. So if I could step back for just a minute, I worked in corporate for many years and I was in beautiful corporate offices and you know, I had you know, I was very well educated, had a master's degree, and I had my Series 7 license and my Series 66 license, and I was working in a multi-billion dollar company in a gorgeous office, and I never felt like I was doing what I was intended to be doing. I always felt like I was looking out the window going, I'm not supposed to be inside here. This is not what I, where I'm supposed to be, and I feel like with my illness, what it's led me to where exactly where I'm supposed to be. And that's one of the reasons it's such a gift because goosebumps,
0: tears. <laughs> right? Totally.
1: Yes. I love that. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, it, it's, there's a higher purpose for me and I have found it now. And I've done a lot on social media with, you know, I started getting much more open probably about a year ago with all of my health stuff. And I started writing about it on social media. I kind of have a gift for writing as well. So I do intend to, at some point, write a book. So I want to write a book. And this podcast, it's given me a platform that I can help support other people in my situation. Because for so many years, you know, I told you I didn't get my diagnosis until I was in my 40s. For so many years, I felt like I didn't have a voice. And I wasn't being taken seriously. And I was being dismissed. And I want other people to feel like they have a place that they can come where they're heard and where they're understood and where they can tell their stories. And, you know, I call it the chronically courageous because, you know, with what we go through, it's so unpredictable from one day to the next. We don't know what's coming our way. So we have to be in a state of courageous And and courageous doesn't mean what people may think in the traditional sense. Like, you know, courageous to me means being okay to let yourself Cry when you need to and feel your feelings and to share vulnerably and open up about your situation and to speak back when you feel like you're not your interests aren't being advocated for. So you know, those are the kinds of things I want to impress upon the chronic illness community that they have the ability to do those things. They don't need to be in silence, they don't need to be dismissed or overlooked. So when I hear from other people in the community that I've affected their life in some way and that I've given them support or strength, or sometimes they'll say, you're my hero. And I, you know, because of you, I've, I have the strength to get through this. Those are the things that light me up more than anything. So I want to grow that. I want to continue this podcast. I want to write my book. I want to form a community for people online where they can come and share their
0: stories and feel heard and understood. Yeah. See, all this new amazing things coming. Yes. Your life is like blossoming right now. One other thing I've always had, you know, it's funny when I was
1: younger, I was scared to death to speak in front of a group. But then my master's degree, I essentially had to do that every single day. And I was kind of informally crowned the best female speaker in my graduating
0: class. Oh, Oh,
1: that's neat. When I'm passionate about something, I really, you know, I love speaking about it. So I
0: would love to also do some public speaking as well. The podcast for me has meant the same thing. When there's a passion, when you have a passion and you really don't know what it is until we, you know, I said yes to this and I just listened to that nudge, right? right? Like Michelle talks about. And to get to the end of it, and now I'm in the, you know, the beginning, but the consistency is key, you know, to keep doing it. And it brings me such joy. The, the feedback, like you said, like, this is my purpose, right? Yeah. This is I'm it. Really this, like, I found it and it's just amazing. And I think I would never have thought in a million years I would be doing this, but I'm not one, but I realize how much I want to share and, and, you know, tell people like, I just, I love it. I mean, I could do it every day. It's like, it's something in me, right? It is. And it's like a natural high. And
1: you, you do definitely have a gift for it. And I love, in listening to your podcast, I love the way you think and the way you move through life and the way that you raise your girls and the values that you. you instill in them. It's just, it's really, really beautiful. And I think that you're, you really
0: are giving a gift to the world by sharing what you have. So uh-huh. Thank you for that. Thank you for saying that very much. So my one last question, what would you say to the Bonnie at 20 years old? What would your advice be?
1: Oh boy, so much. I would tell Bonnie to slow down. I would tell Bonnie that she does not need to be perfect, That just be you, Bonnie, just be real, just be you. And don't worry so much about what other
0: people think. I love it. You give me, I've had tears at least three or four times in this amazing Aww. talk. I've loved it so much, Bonnie. Thank you. You're welcome. Where can can I tell one you? more story? Oh, please okay. do. Well, I want to, you know, this podcast is
1: about magic. And I had a recent magical moment that I feel like I'd be doing a disservice to us both if I didn't oh, okay. share it. Yay. So, I mentioned before that my first date with David was at the Botanical Gardens and we, had, we went to the butterfly display. So he proposed to me on April 1st, 2020. So just about what, six, seven weeks ago.
0: Right.
1: And he had all sorts of ideas in mind. He wanted to take a trip and propose to me somewhere overseas or something. And obviously with everything going on with the pandemic, that was not a possibility. And then his second thought was, oh, we'll go to the botanical gardens and recreate our first date and I'll propose to her there. That didn't, wasn't going to work either because that was close. So I said, why don't we just go to the park and have a picnic and just maybe take a little walk, that kind of thing. I'm pretty easy to please. So he goes above and beyond. And we get to the park, and he pulls out this huge tent out of his trunk and starts setting up this tent. And I was like, what is happening? (laughs) It was so unexpected. And he, he set up this tent, and he told me to go kind of take a walk for a little bit so he could set things up. I come back in the tent. And he's got this beautiful display set up and all these little like plastic butterflies laying oh. on the ground, right? And he made a heart-shaped loaf of bread he baked. Oh my and gosh. The perfect man, right? And actually, so I'm holding up people on the podcast, will be able to see, but this is a little box I'm holding oh, up right now. Oh, sweet. He had three of these boxes. And he told me to open the first one. And he pointed at one of the boxes and I opened it and I jumped back and, and I, I said, what, there's something alive in there. And he's like, don't worry about it. He's like, just open it slowly. And I opened it slowly and out flew about 30 butterflies. Oh, So oh we, right. So goosebumps. So totally. I, I opened the second box more butterflies. He had ordered from a butterfly farm and had them imported to Arizona and recreated that scene of our first date within this tent. we had a bunch of butterflies, probably like 80 butterflies flying around the tent. And then the third box, he said, now this one has a very special butterfly in it. So you have to open it really carefully. And I opened it up and inside, I see this beautiful ring box. And I slammed it shut and I said, I'm going to cry. And I put my hands in my, I put my head in my lap and I just was, you know, like hyperventilating and he came around and he got down on his knee and he, you know.
0: Did you expect that ring there? Was he building up to this thing where you think, well, there might be a ring. Well, you know, I knew we were moving in
1: that direction. We'd already kind of gone looking a little bit to find out what I liked and, I didn't know when it was coming, but I knew it was coming. And that day I could tell, I, I can pick up on his energy pretty easily. And I could tell mm-hmm. he was very nervous. <laughs> so I knew yeah. it was funny because I knew it was coming, but I didn't want to let on that. I knew it was coming because right? I wanted to, you know, to, to feel like he surprised me, but I told him afterwards, of course, I knew it was
0: coming. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, I so. would have been so mad at you if you didn't share that story. Thank you, (laughs) That was amazing. I felt like the way you described it, I was there. I could just, just even the tent and making it look, you know, with the butterflies, you know, those butterflies. Oh, okay. Yeah. Pretty great. It was pretty great. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Well, Bonnie, I thank you so much for being with me. It has been the most special time. I loved it. I've loved every single second of your story and how do people find you? I want them to look, listen to your podcast. Yes,
1: so my podcast is called The Chronically Courageous, don't forget the The, and it can be found on most podcast players, Apple and Stitcher and Spotify and a few others. I also have an Instagram by the same name, The Chronically Courageous, so please feel free to follow me there. And my Facebook page is under my name, which is Bonnie Fleischman Howard, it's under, not quite as easy to find, but I will give you a link, Ashley, so that you can put it in the show notes.
0: notes. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, You're welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you. So I will see you hopefully soon one day on our little podcast alumni group, right? I would love that. And I would love to get together. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Bonnie. I loved it. Thank you. I did too. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, Ashley. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening and don't forget, always look for the magic.